Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. Welcome. If you're a first-time guest with us here today, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, we, we just hope you've been having a great time and uh, experiencing the friendliness and the joy of, of this place and the love of God. And uh, so I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online. It's a privilege to be able to speak into your lives as well today. Uh, today we're continuing a series called God's Design for Singleness, Dating, Marriage, and Beyond, right? <laughs> I've been waiting for my week to do that, all right? So it's, uh, it's a really cool thing because today we're actually going to step into that area of beyond, uh, but it's not weird and freaky. It's actually parenting, which may be weird and freaky. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, from the God's word today, we're going to find out that it's not. It's actually very a very good thing, and it's a blessing from the Lord. But uh, if you've missed any of the messages, I want to encourage you to please go online to newlifexn.org and watch them because uh, they're, they're crucial. They're crucial for our lives because our lives are all formed around relationships, right? We all deal with each other. We deal with those whom we live with and those uh, whom we work with and those who we like to have fun with or who we play with. We, we enjoy uh, people and we enjoy being with people. And then sometimes it gets a little bit difficult. But deep down inside all of us, we all want to experience fulfilling relationships, right? Let me see. How many of you want to have fulfilling relationships in your life? Let me see your hands. Okay, those of you who don't uh, and you hate everybody, um, you don't really, okay? Deep down inside of you, you actually want fulfilling relationships in your life. And the reason I know that is because God designed all of us with that in our hearts. In fact, in the beginning, when God created everything, God made everything good and perfect. And God created all the animals and the plants and the stars and the moon, and then he created man. And the man's name was Adam. And God said that everything was good and everything was perfect except for one thing, and that one thing was for Adam to be alone. It wasn't good for Adam to be alone. In fact, Scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 2 that God did something about that. And here's what it, here's what it says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Okay, now, here's God's design right here in the very fabric of creation that the man shouldn't be by himself. And all the ladies said, amen, brother. You know, it's not good for, for guys to be alone. We turn everything into a game. We'd never accomplish anything. All right, but so God, God saw Adam and he knew that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, not just because he would make everything into a game, but because he needed somebody to help him. And so that word helper is a very important word because here's, here's what it means. A helper is, is, in this context, it's a verb meaning to help or aid. And it means to support, to give material or non-material encouragement to a person. Now hear, hear me, this is what this actually means. It means that we need each other. We need each other. And particularly in this context, this was talking about marriage. In the marriage context, we need each other in the marriage context. A husband needs his wife, and a wife needs a husband, and, uh, and they work together, and they complete one another. But why does it seem like that marriage is hard work, as we learned last week? Because marriage is hard work. Well, actually, the reason marriage is hard work is because of one of the consequences of something that happened 
in the garden. You see, God created everything good and perfect, and he gave man and, uh, the woman to the man, and then he told them, listen, I've given you everything in this garden to eat. It's all for you except for one from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. They had one rule in the whole Garden of Eden, and, and uh, they were, of course, tempted to break it, and they did. Satan tempted them. He deceived them. He told them a, a half-truth, a lie, and they bought into it that they would be like God. And so what happened was they sinned. And when sin came into the world, sin wrecked God's design. God's original intention for relationships was broken. In fact, in the marriage relationship, it's, it's very specific. God gets very specific. For the, for the man, he said, listen, you're going to have to work the ground. It's going to be hard work for you. And it used to be relatively easy. Now it's going to be hard. And to the woman, he said, you're going to have a lot of pain in childbirth. So ladies, when you get to heaven, you can thank you for that. Um, but then in the second part of that verse, he says something really, uh, really interesting, and this is the reason why marriage is hard work. He says, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. This is God speaking to Eve, giving her the consequence of sinning. You will desire your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, that's why there's so much conflict in marriage, because sin wrecked God's design. Sin wrecked God's design. But here's the thing. God actually has a design that we can reclaim through faith in Jesus. We can reclaim it as we trust Jesus, as we put him in charge of our life, and we reclaim God's design for relationships in our life. And that's why we're doing this series, so that we can learn how to reclaim God's design in our, in our relationships, so that we can experience fulfilling relationships, joy joyful relationships. And today, we're going to focus specifically on parenting children. We're going to focus on what does God's Word have to say about parenting kids. And it's going to be a, a great message today. In fact, our take-home point says this, biblical parenting is good stewardship of God's grace and truth. That's the one thing we want you to walk out of here today knowing that God has a design for parenting, and we're going to call it biblical parenting simply because it comes right from God's Word. This Word of God, the Bible, is God's Word to us in our lives, and we're going to see that a little bit later. And this is where we learn how God wants us to operate so we can experience the life that He has for us. So biblical parenting is good stewardship of God's grace and truth, because it takes both of those things for parenting. Now, God purposed for parents to engage their children for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that eventually those children will grow up and they will impact the world with their decisions and their actions. All of us who are adults in here at one time were children who were being influenced by our parents or somebody but there's another part of parenting that God wants us to understand, particularly if you're a follower of Jesus in here today. This applies directly to you and your parenting if you're a parent. And that is this very important statement. Parenting children is a responsibility from God to commend his glory and story from one generation to another. So God has given parents the responsibility to commend his glory and story from one generation to another. And that happens as parents just pour into their kids and tell their kids about what God has done and how much he loves them and that he's got a plan for their life and that they can experience it as they trust Jesus 
as their Lord and Savior. And then that passes on to the next generation and then to the next generation. And I'm not just making this up. I'm actually taking it from Psalm 145, which is just a proclamation of God's amazing works and what he has done. It says, God, your works are amazing. You are strong and mighty. One generation will proclaim it to the next generation, all that you have done. And see, as parents, that's part of our responsibility of parenting children from a biblical perspective in God's design. So let's begin today by defining what parenting is. Wikipedia defines parenting as this, the process of promoting and supporting the physical, emotional, social, and intellectual development of a child from infancy to adulthood. Parenting is a a direct relationship between an adult and a child. That's what parenting really is, whereby the parent protects, provides for, and leads in these four key areas, emotionally, physically, uh, intellectually, and socially. When a parent is leading in those four areas, by definition, we should produce mature, secure children who become mature adults. But when we look around our culture today, do we see a lot of that? No. No. Why is that? Why, why don't we see healthy kids who are, who are growing up and secure and confident and not confused about the world and life's issues? And, and the reason is simply this. Our world has wrong thinking when it comes to parenting. And I want to give you two very specific examples. One of them is a, a very disturbing truth that has been proved by research that in the age range of growing up from infancy to adulthood, there, there have been these stages, infancy, to- toddler, uh, preschool, elementary, middle school, and high school, and then you become an adult. But research has proven that in between the high school year and the adulthood, uh, you know, I guess you make it if you're an adult, right? You get to that point. In between those two points, there is another thing that has been added, and it's called, being called extended adolescence. Extended adolescence. And what extended adolescence is, is, is these uh, kids who are in high school, they either leave high school and uh, go to school, or maybe they don't go to school, but they come back after school and they live with their parents. They don't have a job. Uh, they, they typically play video games or play some sort of game with their life. And uh, they don't participate in a healthy way in becoming an adult. An adult. And so it's a very detrimental thing because in God's design for everything, that, that wasn't part of the plan. In fact, I've heard stories of some, typically guys, who are staying with their parents until they're 30 years old, playing video games and being bums, okay? If that's you today, get a job, all right? Okay? I can't imagine that. It's insane, okay? Here's the second point that when we look around our culture and we see in, in this is just detrimental, in our, is particularly for high schoolers. We see where we have wrong thinking in parenting. 27% of high schoolers have seriously considered suicide as the solution to life's problems. 27%. Now, a lot of that stems from a lack of parenting, a lack of parents pouring into their kids' lives, telling them that God has a plan for them, telling them that God has a purpose for them, that God loves them. And that they're accepted in God's family when they believe in Jesus. And then providing that love and support in all of the other four areas. So you see, when parents don't parent, somebody else will. 
Okay? That's the important thing that we have to learn today. If you're a parent in here, is that if we don't parent our kids, somebody else will. Somebody else will parent your kids if you don't parent them. Because what happens is when we take the influence that God has given to us to parent our kids and we neglect that influence, they're going to get that influence from somebody else. It might be from a book they read or it might be from a CD, they, a CD, <laughs> iTunes or you know, MP3s or anything that they're listening to, YouTube videos. It might be whatever it is that they're getting influenced by. I mean, it's hard today because they're getting influenced by everything. They might be influenced by a teacher. It all happens because we all in our culture, have experienced wrong thinking when it comes to parenting. And here's the thing about wrong thinking, and I want you to hear this very clearly, okay, because this is the real issue when it comes to our culture and when it comes to parenting in particular. We all have wrong, wrong thinking in our culture about parenting, but here's the problem with wrong thinking. Wrong thinking kills people. Wrong thinking kills people. Now, I want to give you a very specific example. There once was a man named Leopold Poich. And Leopold Poich was a, a very renowned teacher in Germany. He was a very effective teacher, a very charismatic teacher. And he said this one statement, and here it is. It says, since the great days of the magnificent German victories of the years of 1870 and 71, we have become increasingly consci conscious of our German identity and now thumb more ardently through the books of German myth legends, and history. Now you see, Poitch's nationalistic uh, statements here were grabbed a hold of by one of his pupils, and his, one of this, this pupil just grabbed a hold of it. He loved everything that Leopold Poitch had to say about Germany, and he, he ran with it. And that pupil was Adolf Hitler. Now, Poitch had wrong thinking when it came to his idea of humanity, because Poich was actually the one who believed that there was a superior race and that that superior race was a German race. And so his wrong thinking, his, his racist thinking, his nationalistic bigotry and his ideals led to one of the most monstrous people who ever walked the face of this earth. And how did it happen? It happened because Poich influenced Hitler in such a way that Hitler took his ideas and made them into a reality. And the natural end of Poich's ideas was the Holocaust. Because in the Holocaust, 11 million people were slaughtered. Six million of them were Jews. The other five million were homosexuals, Jehovah's Witnesses, people with mental and physical disabilities, and really anybody who was an enemy of the Third Reich. It was the natural outcome of a man who had an idea, it was a wrong idea, wrong thinking, and it was worked out by Adolf Hitler. Now, here's kind of the scary part of this story. All of us who are parents have that direct influence in our children's lives. We hold the same power to influence our kids, just like Leopold Poich did for Hitler. That's why it's so important when it comes to parenting that we parent with God's design. Because if not, we're going to parent the best way we know how. And sometimes that comes from the wrong thinking of our parents, and then we couple that with our own wrong thinking about parenting, and then eventually it kind of snowballs and it kind of turns into the culture in which we currently live. So we have to have right thinking when it comes 
to parenting. And that's what we're going to learn today. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. If you don't have your Bible, you have your smartphone, you want to use the YouVersion app, I'd encourage you to do that. It'll be on the screen for you as well. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and if you're wondering in your Bible where that's at, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I don't remember the rest of the song, but I get to Deuteronomy, so we're good, okay? So um, last night I said I would remember that a lot better if it was a rap, uh, because I loved rap growing up, and I, I listened to it a lot. And actually, let me share with you a brief story it has to do with parenting and what you probably should not do, Okay. So um, the other day we were driving in our van and our van has a DVD player and sometimes we let the kids watch a movie when we're going on a longer trip so that they stop asking us the question, why? Okay, we have a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old and uh, um, so that question of why comes up a lot. So sometimes we like to distract them with DVDs, which is probably the wrong way to parent, but here we go. So, so we're watching this movie and their absolute favorite movie is Cars. How many of you have seen the movie Cars? Okay, it's a really cool movie. Uh, in, in this, where this one car, he's a race car, and he's a real prideful jerk, and uh, he has to learn a lesson, and so he's going out to this one race, and as they're going out, he's being hauled in his car carrier, whose name was Mac, and Mac was getting tired and falling asleep, and there were these troublesome cars that kind of came along, and as they come, they kind of have theme music, and their theme music is like this really awesome rap beat, right? And so it's like, right? Everybody bob your heads with me as I do that. That's cool. Why didn't I do that the rest of the services? That looks awesome. I'm going to videotape that someday. Okay, so, so I, was, I was actually doing that as the, the music was playing. I'm sitting here in my car doing this, you know, and I catch myself doing it every now and then when that part comes on, and sometimes I look out the window, and I'm like, you know, like, like grow up, man. Yeah, okay. So, so I'm doing it, right, and, and I'm here, you know, listening to the music, and just from deep down inside of me comes my past, and it just comes out of my mouth in the form of this, uh, right? Because that's what all rappers do, right? You got this music going on, and sometimes they don't know what to say, so they fill the space with grunts. And, you know, I happen to like the one, uh, I think that's a real cool one. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, and I'm like, uh, you know? And so, so I look at my rearview mirror, and there's my daughter back there in her little seat. She's two years old. She's in her car seat, and she's looking out the window like this. And I was like, yes. So, <laughs> and so, uh, but, but that wasn't the best part. The best part comes when she's sitting there and she's doing this and she looks up at me and she goes, uh, I was, <laughs> I was like, yes, all right. She's going to love rap music. So, um, so all that to say, parents, be careful what you do because your kids are watching you. Okay. So <laughs> here we go. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six through nine. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on, your, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we can know you because of what you have done on the cross for us. God, today I thank you so much for your word, that we can experience it, that we can learn from it, and that we can find your design for life in your book. And today, God, we pray that you'll teach us specifically about parenting, what it means to be a biblical parent. 
And God, today I pray specifically that we will grab a hold of these truths and live them out in our lives. We love you. We thank you for everything you're doing and continue to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So the fir- what I'm going to do is share with you guys uh, the four B's of parenting, okay? A couple of weeks ago, if you were here, Pastor Mark did uh, the four P's of singleness. And uh, I, I didn't want to be lame and do four P's of parenting because he did four P's of singleness and I wanted to look original. So I'm doing the four B's of parenting, okay? And I, I was like, well, how can I make that fit a little bit better? And I was like, I can't do the four B's of parenting because that wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. So I decided to do the four B's of being a biblical parent, all right? So you can give me a high five on the way out for that, okay? Here we go. The first B or the first practice of biblical parenting is this, be in the word daily. And it comes right from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Now, here's the most important thing that we learn from this, from this statement, okay? We cannot commit ourselves to what we do not know. We cannot commit ourselves to what we do not know. No. And in other words, we cannot teach what we do not understand. So we have to be in the Word of God daily. If we want to be biblical parents, if we want to parent God's way, we've got to know God's design for life. And the way we do that is through the Word of God. We learn what it means to be a biblical parent when we are in the Word. In fact, Paul, who was mentoring a young man named Timothy, and Timothy was a pastor, and the the Apostle Paul was his mentor, and, and he was sharing with Timothy something that Timothy had experienced in his own life that he wanted to pass on to the rest of the people in his congregation. Here's what he said. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. You see, what Paul assumed here is that there is right in the world and there is wrong in the world. And so Paul was telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, listen, when you are teaching your people and when you're living your life, you have to know that there is right and there is wrong. There is godly and there is ungodly. And you need to be teaching what is godly. And here's the thing, Timothy, the word of God, the Bible is good for that. It shows you how to live God's way. And then he continues on. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You see, Paul, the Apostle Paul, made it abundantly clear that Scripture was the guide to life. And we learn from Scripture about Jesus. We learn the things that Jesus taught, and we learn something very important that Jesus said, I have come to give life and to give not just life, but abundant life and a good life, not even here and now, but forever. You see, Jesus was always pointing to the ultimate reality of eternity with God, the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus was the one who added this last dimension of parenting. I gave you four parts of of parenting, the emotional, physical, uh, intellectual, and social parts, but Jesus actually added the fifth and most important part, the spiritual side of parenting. Because listen, and this is the key thing for those of us who are followers of Jesus, the spiritual aspect of parenting is really the most important part because it brings the others into alignment, the way that in, in operation, the way they are supposed to operate. Because if we don't get that spiritual part right, we won't understand how the other ones are supposed to work. So Jesus made it abundantly clear that we need to be concerned 
with the spiritual side of parenting. But how do we know that? We know that by being in the Word. We have to be in the Word daily as parents. So the second practice of biblical parenting is this. Be present. Be present. Look at the next verse in verse 7. It says, repeat them again and again to your children. If we are to repeat the words of God to our kids, we actually have to be present to do it, right? We actually have to be there and say, you know what, Marcus, that's my oldest son, Marcus, don't do that. God uh, loves you very much, but he would not want you to do that because that's hurtful to your sister, right? We have to be able to be present and teaching our kids what it means to follow God. In fact, listen to this verse in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You see, this is, uh, this is what happens, and this is typically what has happened in our culture, that when parents are absent, kids become confused. Absent parents, in other words, breed confused kids, insecure kids, kids who consider suicide as the solution to life because there's nobody there to lead them, protect them, and provide for them. So parenting requires us to be present. Now, it takes effort to be present in our kids' lives. In fact, uh, the, the effect of uh, an absent parent is more detrimental than a parent who actually parents badly. Just having a parent is a better experience for a child. Okay, now that's not an excuse for bad parenting, especially since you're all here today hearing that there's a, a godly way and a, and a right way to parent, okay? But being present is so important when it comes to kids' lives. Now, I'll speak, speak specifically to dads in here today, okay? If you're a dad in here today, it's so important for you to be involved and be present in your kids' lives. For some reason, the way that God created everything in the world that relationship between a dad and his children is so important. It brings stability like nothing else can in this life. And when a dad who is a follower of Jesus says, listen, I'm going to be serious. I'm going to be present in my kid's life. I'm actually going to change my schedule. I'm not going to work as much so that I can, can just you know, pour into my kids as much as I can. When, the, when a dad decides to do that, his kids flourish. It's unbelievable what happens. But I want to share, you, share with you what our culture has been experiencing, actually. There was a Pew Research uh, study done, and they did it on a, a social and demographic trend, and it was parenting. And they looked specifically at uh, some trends of parents, and particular fathers. And it says this, that 46% of fathers feel as though they don't spend enough time with their kids, while 23% of mothers say the same. Now, 46% of fathers, that's almost half of fathers in the United States say that they don't spend enough time with their kids. And here's what I really love about Pew. They actually take it out a little bit further, and they actually did a time analysis study, and they found that fathers typically spend, on average, seven hours a week with their kids. Seven hours a week. That's not a lot of time. In fact, it only works out to an hour a day on average. And we're wondering why our kids are insecure and are confused about life because we're not spending enough time with them. See, listen, in here today, some of us, we need to make a decision. I believe God's laying this on somebody's heart today. We need to make a decision. I'm going to change my schedule so that I can invest in my children. Okay, some of us need to do that in here 
today because here's what Psalm 127 verse 3 says. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children are a gift from God and they must not be squandered. They are a gift from God. They're a reward. So we need to be present, investing in our children. Investing, giving time. So be present. That's the second practice. The third practice is this. Be diligent to teach your children God's word. Look at verses 7 through 9. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on doorposts, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Parenting God's way requires diligence to teach the truth of God. So not only do we need to be in the Word of God and to know the truth of God, and not only do we need to be present, but we have to actually be intentional about sharing God's truth with our kids. We have to share all of the the things that God has about life. In fact, one of the most important verses in, in all of the Bible comes from the book of Proverbs. It says, guard your heart above all else, for from it is the wellspring of life. Now, some of you know that in your dating years, if you were dating and you gave yourself over to several people and, and you just felt wasted, you, you really would have been able to cling on to that statement of guarding your heart would have been just so powerful for you. And so you might take that and say, you know what, I didn't know this, I couldn't experience this in my own life, but I'm going to give this to my kids because it's so important. That's what it means to be diligent in teaching kids, the Word of God. But where do we learn that? Where do we learn that we should protect our hearts? We learn it from God's Word. So we have to be diligent. We have to know about it. Now, I want to share with you some, uh, some passages about the Bible because, that the Bible actually speaks about this in particular because here's what the world says about parenting. The world says that we should just let our kids experience life and try to figure it out. Okay, That's actually what the world has been teaching uh, you know, for a long time. And that parents, you know, parents, don't, don't get down on your kids about things. You know, just let them experience it. Let them, let them uh, have a good time while they're doing it. But here's the problem when it comes to letting kids experience life and figuring it out. It's actually a very unloving way to parent children because kids will experience a lot more pain, a lot more suffering, more than they will ever need to experience. And if we share with them absolute truth, which actually does exist, by the way, because if I step off the stage, I'm going to fall to the floor. Gravity is an absolute truth, okay? So there is absolute truth in the world. And it comes from God who designed everything. And so we have to teach our kids those things. In fact, here's what the Word teaches us. And I want to share with you several verses, and I want you to just get these in your minds as you hear them. First from Proverbs 13, 24, Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Then the next verse from Proverbs 23, 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Just don't strike him too hard. Okay? I added that part in. (laughs) The next part. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give you delight to your heart. How many parents want to experience delight? We do that as we teach our kids the word of God. And then this from Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. It's a beautiful thing when we teach our kids and they grab a hold of it and then they live it out. And then here's the last thing, the most pointed one from Hebrews 
chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, the author writes, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Now, that's a very powerful image when it comes to parenting, isn't it? It's an extremely powerful image because what essentially the Word of God is telling us is if we don't discipline, if we don't teach our kids, if we don't, aren't diligent in the Word of God in, in teaching them and being present in their lives, if we don't do that, we're treating them as illegitimate children. In other words, we don't care enough to invest in them. You see, what I know today is that if you're a parent in here, you, you, you most likely want to be a good parent. And I'm not sharing all of this to be condemning in any way. I'm sharing this as an exhortation, an encouragement to be a biblical parent so that your kids can flourish and find joy in God and so you can experience fulfillment as you continue to parent your kids. So we must be diligent to teach our children God's word because God's word teaches us about the life that is truly life lived in Jesus See, above all, when it comes to parenting, there's really one thing that if you share this, you will, you, you're, you'll be a great parent. And that's this, that if you tell your kids, listen, there's a God who loves you, he died for you, and you can know him by trusting him as your Lord and Savior, you'll be a good parent. Okay? You'll be a good parent. Now, please don't stop there. Please keep going. But at least start there because that's where good biblical parenting starts, when we share Jesus with our kids, when we're not shy about it, when we tell them every opportunity we have that God loves them and has a plan for their life. So the last B is this. The practice of biblical parenting is believe God. Believe God. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now I almost changed this last one to be in constant prayer. Be in constant prayer for your kids. But I realized something that you can be in constant prayer for your kids, but if you actually don't believe that God's going to act, then you might as well stop praying. See, what we need to do is we need to believe God. We need to believe His Word that when we train up our kids, that eventually they will come back, even if they're walking away from it right now. We need to believe God. We need to trust him for our kids. And when we pray, we need to believe that he's going to work. Here's the thing. Maybe you've done all of these four Bs and you've invested in your kids and you've, you've been present and you've been teaching them the word of God. But your kids have said, I'm done with that. That's stupid. I hate it. And they're walking away. I want to encourage you today. Don't stop with this last B. Keep believing God. Because he is faithful and he is good. In fact, if you're experiencing that right now, I want to share with you a couple of verses to encourage you. First from Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3 and, and 7, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Notice it doesn't say your parenting is your refuge and strength. 
It says, God, he alone is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the hearts of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Here today, if your kids are walking away from Jesus and it feels like your world is literally crumbling, mountains are going into the sea, the ocean is going crazy in your heart with emotion and pain and struggle, know this, the Lord Almighty is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And keep believing him because Psalm 100 verse 5 tells us, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues from all generations. He is a good God and he loves you. And maybe you, your parenting has been <laughs> subpar to this point. I want you to know something. God's not standing there pointing the finger at you saying, you stink, you should have done better. What he's saying is, listen, I love you so much. Let's go and invest in your kids right now. I don't even care how old they are. Maybe your kids are 50 years old. It doesn't matter. Go and invest in them today. So if that's you in here today, I want to encourage you. Whatever it is that God brought into your heart, do it. If he said, you know, I need to pick up the, the phone and call my daughter, call my son, and, you know, I just need to tell them I love them, and I need to tell them that God loves them. And dads, if you're, if, you're, if you're a dad in here today and you have particularly a son, if you will call your son, if you've never done this before, I want to encourage you to do it. If you'll call your son and say, listen, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're good at, you, you will not believe the power that are behind those words. You will see your son light up like he has never lit up before. So I encourage you to do that today. Moms tend to do that naturally. Dads, not so much. So I would encourage you to do that. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray. And I'm going to do two prayers this morning. The first one is if, if you have been going through your life and you have not experienced fulfillment, you have not experienced joy, I want you to know that it comes through trusting Jesus. And maybe your parenting's been a wreck and it's because you realize today that you haven't trusted Jesus and you haven't been in his word and you haven't been teaching your kids about that. I want to pray for you right now to commit your life to Jesus for the first time. And if, uh, if you would do that, all you have to do is trust him in your heart. And then we're going to say a second prayer for those of us who are parents and even the rest of us who aren't parents in here. Because let me speak to you just for a minute. If you're not a parent in here today, I want you to know something. It doesn't mean you don't parent because kids get mad at their parents. How many people know that, right? Dad, I hate you. <sighs> Slam the door, get in the car, drive down the road, get out, talk to their best friend's parent. And do you know the best thing that could happen in that situation is when that kid comes in and says, you know what, my dad makes me so mad. He said I can't do this. And I know it's because it's in the word of God and God's word says I shouldn't do this because I'm going to get hurt, you know, and and if that parent, who is not that kid's parent, but their best friend parent or whoever they are, would say, you know what, the word of God does say that, and it will hurt you. That is like the most powerful thing anybody could ever do. So even if you're not a parent in here today, you have influence over kids in ways that probably you don't even realize. In fact, I want to encourage you with Titus 
verse, chapter 2, verse 7, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works through faith. Because kids look up to adults. They particularly love their parents and they look up to them as heroes first, but they will need parenting from everybody else as well. So I want to pray for all of us in that area as well. So let's pray first. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus today, I want to pray for you right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love. I thank you that you parent us, that you discipline us, that you teach us because you love us. God, thank you. And today, God, I pray if there are any in here who are deciding right now, I want to follow you. I want to trust you as my Lord and Savior, that right now, God, you would meet them where they are and that they in their hearts would just say, would say this, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I believe you. I believe that you are my king and my owner. I give you the rights to my life. I love you. Lead me now in Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, Lord, who maybe have struggled with parenting, God, I pray that you would help us to, to do better, to parent the way that you would have us parent, that we might experience the fulfillment that you have as we pour into our kids. And even if we don't have children, I pray that we will be good examples of good works through faith as we trust you, as we influence, that give that influence that you have given to us over kids and children and, and teenagers, that you will help us to use it wisely to bring you glory and honor. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The commitment for today comes in two parts. First, if you're a parent, and second, if you're not a parent. And it says this, if you're a parent, I will steward God's grace and truth in my children's lives this week. And if I'm not a parent, I will steward God's grace and truth in my own life as an example to the children I may interact with this week. You see, living out the four B's in our lives is really stewardship of God's grace and truth. So let's go out of here today seeking to live it out, seeing our kids flourish under the teaching of the word, which brings life. In Jesus' name, amen.